you all would please open your Bibles to 2 Timothy, I'll be reading from chapter 3, verses 10 through 16, and in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 996. You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lysteria, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for a very good work. And you have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy 3. As I prepared this message all week long, I had in mind high school and middle school and college students, obviously because that was part of our focus here today, some because we had the communing members up here today, but some because of the text itself. This is an older man, Paul, who's writing his last letter to his disciple, Timothy. So it's this way to give instruction. So as I give this message today. And as I look around, I'm going to be looking at Carter Barton and I'm going to be looking at Grant and Retina Bell and I'm going to be looking at Zachary Phillips just to see if he's paying attention. And then I'm going to look at Allie and Morgan and Casey and I'm going to look at Morgan Radford and I'm going to look at Lee Taylor. I'm going to look at these people because these are the people that I really have in mind because as we talk about handing off the word of God to the next generation, these people, whether you realize it or not, more quickly than you might want, are going to be in positions of carrying the torch of God's word. And so I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about the college students and how we're transitioning from what we're doing here to what we're giving to Tyler and how Tyler is giving away to the high school ministry as well. So let me pray for us as we begin that endeavor. Lord, we are in a world filled with words. We have iPods that sing tunes in our ears. We have billboards that capture our attention and magazine covers that scream to look our way. We're people who are highly educated, so we're around libraries. We have our own libraries full of books, full of words. We listen to television full of words commentators or musicians, all of these people are piping out words. They're vying for our attention, our understanding, our worldview. And so we come now under the word and pray for your Holy Spirit to help us to see beyond just the ink on a piece of paper, but to see Christ to see the need for the word. I pray particularly for this next generation. 
for all the troubles and storms that are on the horizon for them. That they could take great comfort and joy in standing on the word. In Jesus name, amen. I have the privilege of living with a dancer and a football player. And in both cases, both athletic events, the, the fundamental or foundational part of that activity is the same. It's the same if you're a dancer as if you're a football player. It's the same foundation. And that is your stance. You have to get your feet in the right place before you can begin to do anything outward. One of the coaches would say this, no stance, no chance. And so that's what he was telling Zachary. That's what an instructor might tell Morgan. If you don't have the right foundation, if you don't have the right footings, then you just have no chance out in the world. You you don't have any way to make a meaningful contribution because you don't have a foundation to come off of no platform. The same could be same the set of a house. The, the most fundamental element in building a house is called what? The footings. It's like the footprint of your body. Your body its foot is absorbing the weight that's on top of it and it's dispersing it across the earth. The foot of a building is doing the same thing. It's absorbing the weight that it's on it and then spreading it across the earth. If you don't have good footings in your house, you can have a shaky house. The same could be said of a church. The church has to have solid footings. One of the reasons that we even exist is to have a meaningful impact on the city. Well, there's no way we can have a meaningful impact on the city if we don't have the right foundation, if we don't have the right stance. And the stance is and always is not just for Christ Community Church, but for a church is the word of God. That's the footprint. We're all standing on that footprint, hoping to have something meaningful to say to a watching world. So when you go to junior high school or you go to high school or you go to UNCW, wherever you may find yourself, if you're not standing on something firm, you don't have anything meaningful to say. There's all kinds of people in your world that are giving you all kinds of words. But they've got to come from some foundation. And we're coming from God himself, this foundation, and it's found in his word. So we might say, no word, no way. So I'm the coach today. No word, no way. You say that with me. No word, no way. I mean, if we don't have a word, we have no way to go forward. And that's what we're talking about. We're trying to move forward, not just in some sort of building. We're trying to move forward in the whole city. And we have to have the right stance. We have to have the right foundation. And if we don't have the word, then we're not going to have a way forward. Now, if we look at the text And I want you to all take your Bibles, especially if you're a middle school or high school student. Parents, you might have to help out here because this is not going to be too hard for you to follow along. We're right here in first or second Timothy three. And we're going to look at three things briefly. One, Paul is giving Timothy a warning. The second thing he's is he's giving him an encouragement. And the final thing that we're look at is he's giving him a reminder. 
So just like a coach is helping to uh, help you, I'm looking at you and saying what Paul's saying. I'm giving you a warning. I'm giving you an encouragement and I'm giving you a reminder. First, let's look at the warning. Notice back in chapter three, verse one, the first few words, it says in my translation, but understand this. If you're reading from the NIV, it might say, mark this. Pay attention. This is going to happen. You can take this to the bank. Write this down. You hear all those sort of parental things coming out. Do your parents say things like that? Now, just write this down because this is going to happen. I I promise this thing is going to happen to you. And that's exactly what Paul is doing to Timothy. He's saying, now, understand this, Timothy. I want you to mark this. I don't want you to miss it. He says, mark this down. There's going to be some difficult days ahead. You're living in a world where there are storms and they're going to exert a tremendous amount of pressure. You're going to go out into a world that has all kinds of forces against you and they're all going to force you to do the same thing. And that's to try to move you off of your foundation. So so don't be dismayed when you get out there and say, I can't believe how difficult it is. This is the same thing that Jesus told his disciples. Now, Paul is telling his disciples, when you get out into the world, there are going to be all kinds of pressures. When you get out to your high school or your college or when you get around your friends, there's going to be all kinds of pressures to move you off the foundation. And then verse 2 through verse 13, which you can read later, he basically just gives a description of what that would look like. And then we go to verse 12. Notice this. Paul gives this sobering analysis in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. If you desire to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. It just couldn't be any clearer. And you know what this Greek word persecution means? It means to be driven away. So you're going you're gonna to get out there and you're going to have a foundation And as soon as you get out there, this persecution is going to come and it's going to try to drive you off your foundation. And get on to another foundation. And there is no other foundation. But that's what's going to happen. And so do you see this? Do you understand this? Grant or Rhett or Zachary or Lindsay. Do you understand it, Casey and Morgan? Do you understand it, Tyler? Do you understand it, Tony or Katie? Do you understand that when you get out, there are going to be forces to try to move you off a foundation and say that's really no foundation at all? That's what Paul is talking to Timothy about. And so Paul is warning Timothy, I'm warning you that there are forces that are going to try to knock you off your feet And I don't want you to be that way. Notice in verse 13, Paul gives a sort of a description here of what that's going to look like. Evil people. It's not just going to be some sort of nebulous force. It's going to be people. 
And they're going to come in and they're going to be like imposters. They're going to look charming. They're going to be real smart. They're going to be real slick. And they're going to promise you all kinds of things that their new foundation is going to give you that you can't find in Christ. And they're just going to be fakes. They're imposters. They look like the real thing. They might sound like the right thing, but they're not the right thing. If they're moving you off the word of God, they are an imposter. They're advancing. Notice they're going from bad to worse. That's the nature of deception. Most of you know this almost at any age, that the nature of being deceived, what happens is you think this. This is the last time I'm ever going to do this. I'm going to do this one more time and then that's it. I've reached a new barrier, but I'm drawing my line here. I'm not going to go over this barrier. And what happens? It's not the last time. You're going to redraw your line a little bit wider. That's the nature of being deceived. And Paul is saying evil people are going to come off. They're going to try to knock you off your foundation. They're going to try to get you to do things that you thought you'd never do. And then you're going to start drawing different lines. And now you're going to have a whole different foundation. So I'm giving you that as a warning. Secondly, I'm giving you an encouragement. Look at verse 14. Now he's turning to Timothy. Timothy. Verse 14. As for you. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Now, notice he, he doesn't ask Timothy to advance. He's saying what's happening with the evil people is there's an advancement. There's an increase from bad to worse. And he's saying, Timothy, continue. You remain. You stand still. You stay in the same place. You make this your home. Don't go anywhere else. And where is he asking Timothy to stand? What is that square that he's saying, this has got to be your foundation? What does he say? The sacred writings. He's not even referring back to himself here. He's saying what you've known from the writings, that's got to be your foundation. That's where you've got to find your footing for every situation you find yourself in. What is it the word of God says? Now, notice this. Where was the first deception in Genesis chapter three? What was it about? Where did the beginning of the deception happen? Eve is standing at the tree and the serpent says what? Did God really say? You see, he challenges God's word. And that's the very first thing you're going to get out there and there's going to be a tremendous force. There's a tremendous force right now to not believe that God actually said most of this stuff. There is great scholarship out there that have just pieced all the pieces together that they like and they've created a new Bible. And so we can't move from the foundation. We see that happening from Genesis chapter three on when Jesus is in the desert by himself. And Satan comes. Remember, we've got these stones. Jesus is hungry. It's been 40 days. Turn this stone into bread. And what does Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone. But what does he live on? What is his foundation? What could he rely on even if he's starving to death? The word of God. 
Psalm 19, your word is a lamp. It's a light. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know how to make a way unless I have the word shining out before me. In Isaiah 8, verse 19 and 20, listen to this. Isaiah is living in a group of people who've completely turned their back on God. And he's trying to enter into their world and saying, you've, you've just missed it. And this is what he says. I love this. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter. If you've watched any television at all, which I'm not promoting, but if you have, you've seen these guys. Have you not seen them on television? Slick. And they're sitting there and they're sucking people in and saying, I, I'm listening to your dead relative. I hear what they say. I'm telling you about their life. You've even got one for your dead pet. She comes in and tells you what your dead pet thought of you as you took care of them. It's all over. You, you don't have to go anywhere else. You can find it just on your television. You can find it in the magazines. You can find it in your newspaper. People saying, I can tell you something special. And Isaiah is living in this time. And he says, should not a people inquire of their own God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And this is how he encourages people to respond. This is what I want you to hear. Isaiah is living in that time. It's no different than the time that we live in. And this is what he says to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light. Do you hear that? He's going back to the same thing that Christ went back to. He's going to the same thing that we're trying to go back to. Is the Word of God. If somebody's telling you something and it's not according to the Word of God, there's no light in it. There's no way forward with that. Tyler, I'm aware of my hand movements now because of you said that. So I'm going to hold on to the pulpit, okay? John 8.31 Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you continue in me, if you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you stand still, if you make me your home. Then you'll be my disciples. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, so so no matter how large the congregation gets or how fancy the building it is. No, no matter how small it gets for some reason or another. Don't leave the sacred writings. Don't, don't be driven away by the latest church marketing book. Don't be driven away by the history channel. Or your neighbor who's advanced past the Bible. You see, I was, I was in church, but now I've advanced past that because I've been into Eastern mysticism and now I've got a whole new foundation. Don't fall for that. That's wind. That's sand. That's just going to be blown away. There's no light in that at all. Live your life according to the Word of God. Find your foundation on that Word and that Word alone. 
You see, you and I are called, Paul says, to be to shine like stars in the universe. We're holding out the what are we holding out? The word of life. Jesus said we're supposed to be like a city built on a hill so everybody around could see us. And if we're going to be that way, we're going to have to have a a solid foundation. And I kept thinking about this illustration in that regard. When you fly a kite, there's tremendous force against the kite. And it's up in the air and you can see it from a long way away. You can enjoy the kite even if you're not very near it. But, but what if the kite thought this? If I could just cut myself off from what's really holding me back, then I could, who knows how high I could get. I mean, I've got all this force against me, and it just feels right that if I could just cut myself off from this foundation, if I could just mix up my plan with the plan of the person on the, on the ground, then, man, I could really get somewhere. And what happens when you cut a kite off from its foundation? Maybe for a moment, it just puffs up a little bit higher. But what happens 100% of the time? That's what happens to your life when you're disconnected from the Word of God. It may feel, it may seem like every bone in your body is telling you, I just need to cut myself free from this book, and then I could live, I could live it up, I could have so much fun, I could open my mind up to all these new realities. And when you do that, I guarantee you, like the kite, it may be for a brief puff of wind that it feels like you're doing something special. But you're going to fall to the ground. And you're not going to have any meaningful light to share to anybody else. So please, high school students, middle school students, college students, do not cut yourself loose from the Word of God. Cutting yourself loose is death. It's death for you, and it's going to be death for Christ Community Church. We can have the finest building and the finest programs and the best donuts But if we don't have the Word of God, forget about it. We have nothing to offer. I spoke to some high school students last week at a youth group. And they asked me to come. It was a group of seniors. And they asked me to come and say, Paul, this was the topic. How can I stay connected when I go to college? So there's 15 high school students there. And they're all presumably going to go to college. How can I stay connected and still be in college? And I gave them four different things, and one of them was, you have to get into a church who preaches from the Word of God. If you do not get into a church that preaches from the Word of God, you will be like the kite that gets disconnected. And I just encouraged them to this. I said, look, you don't know. You go to a new city. A few people give you some advice. Go to this church. Go to that church. And you just wander into a church and you sit down. If they don't refer to the Bible... Or if they just refer to the Bible, they read from it, they have a nice reading, they close the Bible, and you never hear about the Bible again. Never go back to that church. You don't need to go back one more time. 
You and I have to be connected. And the only real connection for us is the Word of God. So I don't care how fancy the program is or how fancy the speaker is or what kind of wonderful mannerisms he uses week after week. He has to have his foundation on the Word of God that's the only light forward for us. So Paul gives a warning, he gives an encouragement, and finally he gives a reminder. Look in verse 14. Continue on from what you have learned and firmly believed. And first, this reminder, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Continue on. Number one, one reminder, knowing from whom you've learned it. It's interesting that Paul, the great theologian, the great Bible writer, the, the person who wrote a good portion of this New Testament. The, the person who goes through Romans in a very systematic, doctrinally sound way. The first thing he does for Timothy, when, when you get out there and the forces are against you, Timothy, what's the first thing I want you to remember? Remember a person. Remember your mother and your grandmother. We know this from uh, chapter 1, verse 5. You can look it up later. I want you to remember your mom and your grandmother. I want you to remember the quality of their life. See, because you're going to get out here and it's going to get very confusing. And you're going to be looking at other people's lives. And I want you to remember when the forces get difficult, remember your mother. Remember your grandmother. They had a sincere faith. I see it living in you. Don't get knocked off your foundation. Now, parents, I want to just talk just briefly to you. First of all, if you're a mom and you're sort of carrying the spiritual load in your family. First, you shouldn't have to. But let's just say you are. What a great encouragement here. Timothy. Timothy, the leader in this huge movement in Ephesus. Not just a church, it's a, a movement for the gospel. And here is Timothy, a, a disciple of Paul. He's standing in a very difficult position. And he is spreading the gospel all over the place because of his mother and his grandmother. Praise the Lord. Take, don't be discouraged. Take heart that God can continue to use your work as frail and as feeble as it may appear to raise up the next generation of Timothys. Don't give up. Men. I mean, we don't know what happened to Timothy. We just know that his dad didn't have any spiritual influence on his life. Maybe he came to Christ late. I, I mean, we, we're not sure. But one of the things that we know about Timothy is he was fearful. It's one reason Paul has to write these letters. D don't be afraid, Timothy. And we don't know where that may have come from. So I'm just guessing at this point. But it's very possible 
He just didn't have his dad involved with his life. And so when he really has to stand up, and he needs to remember somebody who really stood against the forces. He just didn't have a dad who did that. Dads. Do you realize the incredible importance of your life for your son and daughter? The incredible impact that you can have on hundreds or thousands of people. If you would just take a genuine interest in the spiritual development of your son or daughter. When you stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you what you did with Jesus Christ. And the second thing is you're going to have to give an account for your family. I would do whatever I could if I didn't know what to do. After this sermon, I'd do whatever I could to find out. I would not let anything stand in my way of making that my number one priority. So dads, many of you are doing a great job. Keep it up. If you feel like, well, I just, I got started on the wrong foot. Don't, don't let that discourage you from moving forward. Well, Paul points Timothy back to a person. And the second thing, the second reminder is he points them back to the reason the Word of God is so helpful. It's God breathed. God, God spoke and the Word became flesh. The, the Word moved out. And it says two things. Verse 15, the Word, the, this, this breathed out by God is wise, make, to make you wise for salvation. Reading the Word of God helps you realize that there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. That's what Acts 4.12 says. No one comes to the Father except by me. That is going to be one of the greatest storms you are going to face in your walk with Christ. You can look at Oprah. Or you can be out at the bagel shop like I was on Thursday. I'm sitting there reading a book about the Bible and these four college students chit-chatting away. And they start, they just landed on the religion topic and they just said, I couldn't believe that anybody would think that Jesus is the only way to God. That's just a garden variety college student. And that's going to be a tremendous force. And if you don't have the Word of God underneath you, you're going to just say, yeah, all roads lead to God. That's a lie. There's only one way. And that way is Jesus Christ. The Word of God couldn't be any more clear about that fact. And we learn about our salvation from the Word. And then notice this. And finally, verse 17, it equips you for every good work. It equips you for every good work. This word in the Greek means it, it outfits you. It thoroughly furnishes you. When you go to the, the Natahala, you don't just go and jump in the river. You go to an outfitter. You need certain things on your body. You need a raft. You need a guide. You need a paddle. You need to watch that video about everybody drowning in the river. Remember that? 
And then you go, well, maybe I shouldn't get on this river. If I get my foot underneath the rock, I'm going to be dead. And so they try to scare you from getting off the river. But they outfit you with everything that you possibly need. And then you get on the river and you're ready whether the, the water is calm or whether you're going through white water. You're going to make it. Why are you going to make it? You've been outfitted. How are you going to make it through the white water of Hoggard High School? How are you going to do that? You're going to be outfitted with the Word of God. If you're not outfitted with the Word of God and you go out to that place or UNCW, forget about it. You have no hope. And the Word of God gives you hope for eternity and it gives you hope for right now. It equips you for every good work. My last exhortation for these people who are 14 or 15 or 20, there's going to be a day, maybe not as soon as you would want it to be, but you're going to have to put your arm around me and you're going to have to say, Pastor Phillips, it's been a good run, buddy. But it's time for you to head on off. You just finished your ministry out at K&W, where all your friends now are at 5 o'clock for the early bird special. And we'll take care of the pulpit. And hopefully I'll hear from God and I'll move on in the right time. But someday... Someday, you're going to have to find somebody to fill this place. And if I tarry for any length of time, it's going to be a lot of y'all's responsibility, young people, to make that happen. Chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing in his kingdom, find somebody who is going to preach the word in season and out of season. If we don't have that at the center, and you don't know what's going to happen to our church if that's not at the center, you can just go to Europe right now. And you can see huge, beautiful structures that are empty. And they're empty because they stopped giving the life-giving word from this place. God doesn't just send a word. He sends a person. We, We need a person. We need a person for so many different reasons. But you may be in a place that you need some real encouragement today. You can't get any more encouragement than this right here. Jesus Christ, God in the person, in the flesh, has come. That you can have life. Life to the full because of what he has done. A lamb needed to be sacrificed. And we see that in the Old Testament. And finally, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world comes and he says, I'm making a new covenant with you. Come. You remember. 
Annie Kate and Griffin and Matthew, as you walk down the aisle, remember, he gave everything he had for God's glory on your behalf. I'll ask the elders to come and help me distribute the elements. Most of you know the music plays and you come when you're prepared. Occasionally somebody comes up and takes a piece of bread and then eats it. And then they get to the cup and they go up. So you save your bread and then you dip it in the cup. I would encourage you while people to come forward to take a moment to think about remembering your own life with Christ, but then to look at them. Just just enjoy watching them come forward. Knowing that these are the people you can count on out there to be on the foundation of Christ.